1: 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one Winning Winning Drive. Drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan, with my guy, Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports, and the Ravens reporter, or 105.7 The Fan. And the streak is finally over, Cordell. 24 consecutive preseason games now gone. It is a a new streak that they're going to have to start because the Washington commanders um, killed the streak, basically. And it's funny because uh, we know that that was a preseason game, and everybody is in preseason form, including – the broadcast uh, crew for ESPN um, and, and Buck and Aikman. But it kind of had the energy of a regular season game, largely because of the streak and people wanted to see how that was going to play out. So I know that you were there um, at the stadium in FedEx. Uh, what was the, the atmosphere like on Monday night?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a Monday night atmosphere. You know uh, you, you, you get there and you see the the Monday night truck outside. You, you, you see the lights coming on. Um, It's the only, it's the first Monday night game of the year. I mean, not, you know, I know it's preseason, but like you said, it's preseason for everybody uh, including the broadcast, but this was the first Monday night game of the year. And it's, Baltimore Ravens against the Washington Commanders. You know, the proximity rivalry is already there. These two teams at the joint practice uh, early last week, which multiple uh, fights went on. And we even had a fight in the game uh, that happened. (laughs) Um, So I think that that played a part into why the Energy at least on the field and maybe even in the crowd because all week we've had back and forth from Ravens and Commanders fans on social media as well. Yeah, um, so I, I think it was a really good build up all week leading up to um, the game on Monday night. And uh yeah, I mean that for it to be a preseason game, the the vibe was crazy. I, I yeah. love that, and I I remember mentioning to a couple of the um uh. Other media guys like, you know, this seems like a like I'm looking around the stadium and there was a lot of people out there and pregame. You see the new owners. You you see Joe Gibbs down there talking to John Harbaugh. You see Wale and I see Wale in a tunnel like it's it's. It feels like a, a regular game. So, and to be honest, I know it's a preseason game, but it was actually a pretty good game. I mean, if you if you watch the whole thing, it was it came down to the end. So, I mean, it was it was like Harv's and Harves had some strong words. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that after the
1: game. But <laughs> I, I do too. did too.
0: Yeah, and, and, and but I did feel him on this on the notion of regardless of whether it's preseason or not, if you like football. Then you then that was probably a good game for yeah. you to watch and, and i i would agree with that because a lot of the guy even though you know obviously guys like lamar and those guys aren't on the aren't on the field everybody that did play in that game um looked like they gave it their all I mean, you you got guys out there playing Hurt, Caillou Blue Kelly is, oh, I guess not Caillou Blue Kelly, but Caillou Kelly now um, is out there (laughs) been around. Ardarius Washington coming back in the game late because they're running out of bodies. He basically gets the wind knocked out of them. Um, Terry McLaurin on the other side gets hurt, which is just beyond me. If, if, If there's anybody that didn't need to be in the game at that point, it's Terry McLaurin. Um, but that's that's beside the point. But, yeah, it, it it just really felt like a hard-fought battle. I mean, the streak ending is, you know, it is what it is. I I, I felt like that was coming. And I was wrong about the offense. I, I thought the offense would, would lay a dud uh, on Monday night. And I was completely wrong about that. It, that The offense looked really good with both quarterbacks yep. uh, in there.
1: It's funny because, you know, I feel like last week we had the conversation and I felt like um, – the number two situation at the quarterback position was solidified with Huntley because he played so well. Um, but Josh Johnson really played well. And apparently, you know, Todd Munkin is a fan of Josh Johnson. He's played with him before. And so he understands the system, which makes sense, right? Um in, in terms of that. And he's playing against a lot of their number ones, which you know really is says a lot about what what the comfortable um, this of Josh Johnson in this offense, right? And even Anthony Brown, who you know, you know that I've, you know, I feel like is a work in progress, but he has some things that I like. Even played well after, you know throwing a pick six in the first preseason game Um, yes and you're right about the whole like everybody was getting to it listen I'm not gonna lie to you I do think it's a little corny that people are getting into the preseason game the way that that they did but you know whatever floats your boat I'm not here to steal nobody's joy if that's what makes people happy who are me to judge if that's what they choose to do, right? But I do want to talk about Harbaugh's comments. Um, Harbaugh, and this is me paraphrasing, he basically said that, that people and fans, media, have the audacity to downplay a preseason game and what it means and literally said that he has no respect for anyone that um, saw the game and didn't, you know, feel like, that didn't understand, you know, how this – how important this game was and then the same rant turned around and said it's not about wins and losses so you do understand that it's not about wins and losses the problem that I have with his rant is he's taking the whole streak argument out of context right Um, everybody knows that there is a place for preseason, right? Everybody knows that there's guys that are on the bubble that are trying to make the roster. There's guys that are undrafted that are trying to make the roster or a NFL roster. If it's not going to be the team that they're on currently, there's guys that are trying to figure out what their role is going to be moving forward in the regular season. There's coaches that are just, you know, just toying around specific formations, specific play calling. So there is a place for preseason. No one says that they don't understand the place for preseason. Right. Um, But what we are saying is, is that the wins and losses do not matter in the grand scheme of things, which is a fact which you know that Harbaugh, because in your rant of telling us that we have the audacity to not care about this preseason streak, you literally said it's not about the wins and losses. It's about this and that and the third. Oh, so you do understand. So I do. And look, Harbaugh is a very intense coach. And I, I'm going to give him grace in the sense of he was a living in the moment there and he was riding high on emotion because of everything that was going around it. And so maybe the next day he probably was like, all right, I probably went a little too far. But he's not going to say that. He's not going to say that he went too far. He's just going to ride with it because that's just the type of guy that Harbaugh is. Right. But don't tell us that you don't have respect for us because we don't celebrate a 24 preseason streak the way that you do as the coach of the Baltimore Ravens how dare you and 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 I I am annoyed by that and knowing that he turned around and said the exact same thing that you me whoever else has said about this preseason streak in his rant
0: yeah I mean I I think and and like you said I I think the difference the the thing that gets misconstrued is when people say they don't care about preseason it he it almost feels like I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it almost feels like he's taking it as and nobody is understanding the late like what preseason means to them. Right. We understand that players are fighting for jobs. We understand that coaches are trying to work through things. We're trying we understand coaches want to see different things from players. Um, and as a look, even as a media member, look, I I can't tell you how many times I'm at a preseason game and I'm like Let's just put a running clock on on this thing. (laughs) I'm not gonna sugarcoat it as a fan. I I'm not going to sit here and say I care about preseason as a fan, but if I was a player, if I was a coach, absolutely. Look, yes. I, coach, I coach the offense on my nephew's football team. We just had our first scrimmage last night. It's a scrimmage. It does. It doesn't matter about wins or losses. But I, I mean, I cared about what's going on because we're going to use the things that we have seen in that scrimmage to you know, carry us going forward to make any type of adjustment. So again, from the football sense, I understand um, what he's saying. Um, but I, I do think that look for the reality is fans don't care about it because like you said it's not it doesn't affect the win loss column um i will say this though i do think that there are uh, and, and and it showed after monday night that there are more people that cared about the streak than they put on yes uh, because it was a lot of saltiness all over the place and really from both fans i i, I got on commander's fans too on my show for i felt like doing the most. But I think some of it just got to the point to where it was trolling because they could tell it's bothering Ravens fans. Absolutely. So stepping on the gas at that point. Um, But for Ravens fans, I saw so many people swearing that they didn't care about the streak. And I would watch those same people put out these think pieces about why uh, the commanders are treating it like there's the Super Bowl. No, a lot of y'all are acting like you lost the Super Bowl. Let's call it what it is. So if you don't care about the streak, Cool, keep that energy if it, if you do care about it. Good for you. I mean, like you said, whatever floats your boat it, yeah. as a fan, it, whatever gets you going. If you, I love football to death, so if football's on at the end of the day, I'm probably going to watch it now. Pre-season, yeah. I'm not going to sit there and be glued to my seat the way I would a week eight game, right? Um, right, but I'll, I'll turn it on, you know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll check it out, especially if it's a couple of starters playing in the game. But this, the, the, it's almost like people are ashamed. To say that they care. It's right. okay if, if you're not a part of the majority. You know what I'm right. I mean? saying? If, yep. if you cared about the streak, if
1: you care about preseason games, so be it. If you don't, you don't. It's really that but that's simple. If you like it, I love it. I, I just because I don't care doesn't mean that you have to not care. If if it matters to you, then that's all that matters, right? And so like I said earlier, it was a little corny, and I mean that on both sides. I mean it on the side of, like, you know, Magic Johnson talking about it. Okay, it's mm-hmm. a preseason game, Magic, too. The Ravens fans are, you know, going back and forth with Commanders fans and some Baltimore media bringing up some some points, and it's, it's silly, okay? It's silly, and, and at the end of the day, it does not mean anything in terms of wins and losses, whether you like it or not. John Harbaugh okay so there's that part of it so you know look it, it, it was fun to watch um, very entertaining game probably the more entertaining preseason games I've ever seen so uh, we did get you know some type of value from yeah. it
0: and, and I would say too and I was talking about this with one of the other media members the NFL should look into doing some I mean and, and it probably will be tough because it influences strength of schedule and, and the way that Scheduling works in the NFL is based off kind of your record from last year, you know, who you play in whatever division your division is going against that, that year. Um But it would be cool if that 17th game was like a rivalry game, because I do think Commanders and Ravens should be playing like that should be a every year regular. Se- they play every year in the preseason, but right. that, that should be an every year like game in the regular season. You saw the type of energy it was in that game. On Monday night, I I think that would be cool to see because right now, I mean, Washington and Baltimore play each other like it feels like once every three to four years. They, the they
1: play once every four years currently. Yeah, yeah. So, and so yeah, I, I would funny. try to get that done
0: more yeah, frequently.
1: It's funny because the 17th game, like last year, I believe, was the Rams game. So they are playing NFC, or they it appears that they're going to be probably playing like out conference games for that 17th game, right? Um, but it would make sense, you know, having like, you know, Washington and Baltimore, you know, Philly and Pittsburgh, you exactly. know, Gi- Jets and, the Jets and Giants. Giants. It make yeah. sense to, to kind of do it that way. And it, to just add a little bit of fun to, you know, the outer conference rivalries that mm-hmm. are close in regions. I think that would be fun. So uh, if Roger Cadell and, and company is listening, make that happen. So we can have real games that matter against these regions. That would be fun. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. So with the preseason game, there were some guys that really stood out um, that we saw once again, Cordell. And uh, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are in terms of like what, their chances are for making the roster as we know cuts begin next week and so um there's some guys that have really stepped up the one thing that i think we have to acknowledge is that the ravens really do well with finding tight ends um they're and becoming tight end you yeah yeah they're becoming tight in you and uh Voc-Elect the tight end, a.k.a. who I like to call Volo League, <laughs> has really played well um, in his as his two games in preseason. Uh, we've also seen Keaton Mitchell play well. Um, Baltimore native Malik Ham has played well. But what are the chances do you think that any of these guys make the roster – If they don't make the roster, do you think that they can sneak them on the practice squad and move them along uh, and stay, or are they gone, you think, if they don't make the 53 man roster?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I'll start with uh, Keaton Mitchell. I think Keaton Mitchell's on the team. Yeah. To be honest with you, I I believe Keaton Mitchell is going to make the 53 man roster. And then what does that mean for Melvin Gordon? Oh, it means he's gone. Yeah, most likely <laughs> means he's gone. I mean, the reality is you can find a Melvin Gordon on the street probably at any time. I mean, and it's the one case you could have for keeping him around is that if you don't necessarily believe that Gus is going to be Gus, um then you still have another another one of those bruiser backs in your backfield, but again, you can. It's plenty of power backs that you can you can maybe even Gordon will still be available. I mean, I, I would be surprised he is still a name in this league, so somebody will most likely pick him up. Um, but at the end of the day, he's going to be on the back end of anybody's roster right now. Um, but I do think Keaton Mitchell has done enough to. Make this roster not just because of his explosive runs on the offensive side of the ball, but he's looked good in special teams as well. And the more you can do, and if special teams is something you can do really well, then you've got a really good chance of making this team. Um, Travis Volkelec obviously it's going to be an uphill battle for him. And I'm curious, I, I, right now in my preliminary 53 man, um, I don't have him on the roster, uh, but, I mean, that's that's really not a surprise. I, I, now, I did say, I think, last week or earlier this week when we did the podcast that I felt like Charlie Kohler needed to have a big-time game on Monday night um, because I felt like Volkolek was kind of nipping at his heels a little bit. Yep. Kohler, to his credit, he went out there Monday night and had a really good game. Um, yep. and he needed it because Vokalek had the two touchdowns in that same night. So, um, I mean, these guys are putting pressure on each other and you got to give a lot of these low name, a lot of guys that we didn't know coming into camp, um, that we know now they have made it very tough on these coaches when it comes to cutting, um, because a guy like Travis vocal they're not getting him back. No. I mean, you score two touchdowns on Monday night football. He's he's going to be on somebody's roster. So that's going, going to be a tough one that they lose and I can I'm going to tell you now they do like him. They like him a lot. Um so that's going to be a tough one that they have to let go. Um Malik Ham, I think Malik Ham has a good chance to make this roster as well. They don't have it's no secret they don't have a lot of depth at the outside linebacker position. Um the question will be will Malik Ham and And Jeremiah Moon make the team? I don't know. Because Jeremiah Moon has been equally as good in my opinion. Um, So I I don't know if they both stick around. It's a possibility. But how does the rest of the roster shake out? So um, I think Malik Ham is the good thing about him is not only has he looked good in the games, but he's also looked good in practice as well. So when you're able to carry that over into the games, A, that shows me you can be consistent. And B, it shows that not only you know you're you're not only putting together quality film just in practice. Where it, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but obviously it's not as important as the game. You're able to, as a depth guy, to be able to carry that into a game. That's important because a lot of a lot of depth guys don't do that. Um, so it will be interesting to see what what happens there. Because like I said, I I do think um, Jeremiah Moon has done really well also. Will they keep both of them now with the addition of Clowney? If Clowney wasn't here, I think it's a lock that they keep both of them. But now Clowney's here. You're expecting Bowser. They say they're expecting Bowser to come back at some point. We'll see. Um, But if that's the case, is there enough room for both of those outside linebackers? I don't know.
1: So um, I, I'm gonna, you know, piggyback on everything you said. I do think that Keaton Mitchell makes the team. I don't know what that means for Melvin Gordon, but I think that you have to, you have to. He's too explosive for you to say that I'm not gonna keep him, right? Um, and then with the, the situation with J.K., even though he is back and has come back to practice, just good to have an insurance policy, right? Uh, Volkaleck, I do think, is gone. And I think that he's going to be picked up immediately. Um, it, there's just not enough room for him um, at the tight end position, I don't think. Um, and so I think that in the, at, at that regard, you know, he's not going to go over the, any of the three tight ends that they currently have on the roster. Um, so I just think in that regard, and that includes Kolar, right? Uh, because he was a draft pick. So mm-hmm. I just think that, that that in that regard, Vogelak is gone. Malik Ham is interesting because uh, we talked to Jeff back from The Athletic um, yesterday. And one of the things that he offered as a what could possibly happen is, is that they view him as a developmental player. So they quote unquote, you know, he was injured in the game. We know that he was injured in the game and that he's, quote, unquote, unhealthy to play. So he gets stashed away Mm -hmm. for the year and then he comes back next year, which means that he's not on the roster spot, but he's still with the team and he's put away. So then that way no one else can pick Malik Ham up. It allows you to keep Jeremiah Moon if that's something that you choose to do while keeping Malik Khan at bay. So the next year, if you feel like that he has a lot of potential and that you want to develop him next year, he can come back and be, you know, and compete um, for a roster spot. And, and that way you, there's a year later. Right. So that's something that I think is very possible um, because we know that teams do do these types of things to keep guys on the roster and not let them go somewhere else. Um, So I do think that that's possible. One of the other things I wanted to uh, ask you too, Cordell, was the conversation came up about um, the sixth wide receiver and Tylon Wallace. And so a lot of us believe that Tylon Wallace is going to be on this team as a sixth wide receiver. But why do we think that the Ravens are keeping six wide receivers? Do we really feel like that Tylon Wallace is a lock? Or is that just because we think that the Ravens are keeping six wide receivers?
0: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I, it's definitely because we believe they're going to keep six wide receivers. I mean, because if they don't, then Wallace isn't going to make the roster. I don't, right. I don't think he makes the cut over Nelson Aguilar um, or Devin Duvernay uh, right now. So, and Duvernay right now is my five uh, right. wide receiver. So, um, yeah, I mean, that would be the interesting thing, you know, and. How many centers do 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 they keep? Must Mustafar because Mustafar could be kind of that key guy that decides. What happens at other positions? Like I haven't seen a lot of Patrick McCarry getting snaps at center, so yeah. that makes me believe that they're probably going to keep Mustopher, um to have another center, and that's going to take away a spot from somewhere else. Could yep, that be running back? Could that be wide receiver? Could it be outside linebacker? Yep. Who knows? Um, I still believe they're going to keep six. Um, a because the guys that are at the top of the wide receiver depth chart have major injury questions um and they do like to spread it out um we've seen so i I think they're going to want to keep guys out there and and we always say this but it's true i mean wallace is a special teams guy as well so that helps his case but also i mean he's been the best bubble wide receiver they've had out there uh, at this point in camp i mean he he's looked good he's gotten a touchdown in both games i don't want to over, you know, I don't want to make it seem like he's out there getting hundred yards, both games. He's gotten two red zone touchdowns. Yep, it's it's great. Um, but I, I do think you combine that with the way he's looked in camp, with the fact that he helps them in special teams. I he's a draft pick. Um, I, I think that he, I think they're going to keep six wide receivers. I, I do believe that, and if they do, I, I'm pretty sure Wallace is going to be the guy.
1: Okay. So I mean it's just look it's just an observation I I wonder if you even think that the the we even know that the Ravens want to keep um, six wide receivers and and the allegedly you know um, the management um, and ownership is very high on talon Wallace. So there's like an extra leeway to want him to be on the roster. And he has played well this preseason. I think it is just a question of do we really think that the Ravens are actually going to keep six wide receivers? But Talon Wallace has played well. And then we know that that special teams is a very important aspect. Um, in terms of what the Ravens like to do and keep guys. So we know that DuVernay obviously is going to stay for that reason alone. Wallace obviously can make has a better shot as well, I think, if he can do that in addition to being a number six guy. But your points are valid about um, them adding potentially an extra center or maybe an extra linebacker. So um, that will be interesting. But I think that Volkolek is gone. I think Mitchell stays, and I think Ham Gets stashed away (laughs) in some (laughs) form. So we know that J.K. Dobbins and Rashad Bateman spoke to the media, you guys, yesterday. Um, at the end of practice. And ironically, both of them had the same song, right? Both of them are like, I love Baltimore. I want to stay in Baltimore. You know, Rashard Bateman said that he and Eric DeCosta talked and they hashed out their differences based on the information that came out earlier this year about DaCosta talking about wide receivers and Bateman's reaction to that. Um, We know that JK, you know, would like to get a new contract, but he says that, you know, for now, everything is good. So for me, I'm not sure if, if I believe that or maybe I do believe it in the interim, but I don't know how long this will last when you heard them speak out what was your take do you believe them do you think all is well and you know happy people holding hands or do you think that this could potentially be short-lived and that some some it, things could change as time moves on
0: yeah i mean i i think if i had to pick which one i think would would probably not be uh the way that they said it was yesterday it's probably bateman uh just because i I just, and both of them have their own reasons, you know, why they probably fell away. Right. Um, But Bateman just seems, it it almost feels like Bateman is never happy to be honest it. it, That's just the vibe I get. It just feels like, um, during his career in Baltimore to this point, it's the injuries, it's his frustration with, um, the you know the team doctors or the strength strength and conditioning his frustration with Eric DeCosta and some things that DaCosta said that I think Bateman kind of took out of context
1: because I don't think that he was talking about Bateman and, yeah, and to backtrack what so we're talking either. about to backtrack what we're talking about he made a comment um Eric DaCosta, about you know just being better at at, at evaluating and bringing in wide receivers that they could do better and this is me paraphrasing. And Rashad Bateman, I I, I think, thought that he was in that number of guys that he was talking about and took offense to what he said, which I'm not saying that I don't understand that, by the way, Cordell. I'm simply saying, though, that's a conversation that could have been had. You could have called or went to Eric's office or called him because I'm sure there's a way that you can get in contact with him and said, hey, were you talking about me? Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to do that on social media, but back to said. Yeah. yeah, and look, I,
0: and the realization is Bateman is a part of that because he right. mentioned first round wide receivers. I mean, he, Bateman's a first round wide receiver. Now, I guess where the separation comes is obviously Bateman's been dealing with injuries and right. he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Um, and I think the cost is point was just that, look, we haven't hit on a Hall of Fame t- caliber wide receiver to this point. We haven't hit on an all pro wide receiver to this point in the first round. So we're going to keep going until we find that guy um, and. He wasn't wrong. I mean, no. Bateman to this point hasn't been that. We already know how the Hollywood Brown situation went. You know, they got Zay Flowers, which looks like it could be something, but we don't know. We don't know. Hollywood got off to a to an explosive start in week one in that dolphins game. And yep. you know, things went the way it went. So, um, and I look, I think the world I'm seeing Bateman out there on the field yesterday, seeing him move around, he looks healthy, he looks yeah. so- He looks fast. I mean, he is about, He Odell is super smooth as a wide receiver. I mean, it it really doesn't get much smoother than that. But Bateman is like a notch under that in terms of just effortless wide receiver ability. I, I truly believe, I think the world of Bateman of what he can be.
1: Right, right.
0: How long can we go off of potential? You know, how long can we continue to talk Bateman up when we're not seeing it. And at the end of the day, and I think he knows it, and it's the frustrating part because at the end of the day, you can't control injuries. You know, if you get hurt you get hurt, it just is what it is. It's frustrating when things happen that are out of your control. So I get that for Bateman, especially when you're as talented as he is, you want to be able to show that. And you look up, this is a similar situation to the J.K. Dobbins situation. We look up and it's year three for Bateman, Mm -hmm. just like that. And we have nothing to show to this point. So I understand his sense of urgency. I'm pretty sure he's feeling some sort of pressure on him to go out there and do that. And, um, you know, he probably blames certain things on certain people for the way things have gone to this point in his career, because he will let it be known how he was healthy before he got to Baltimore. Uh, JK Dobbins does the same thing, how he never dealt with any major injuries or anything like that until he got to Baltimore. So, um, I think Bateman's probably the one that probably still has some underlining issues here with just everything. I think he has, to, if I'm being honest, I think he's got beef with the Ravens. I think he's got beef with the media. I, I, I hear him saying. He loves Baltimore anymore. And maybe he, like, I don't think he's taking it out on the city of Baltimore. But if we're talking about playing in Baltimore, I, I don't know, because it just seems like he's been upset since – I'm not gonna say day one, but sh- maybe day eight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know. Jk is a different situation. I, I, I think Jk is just, I mean, he has his own reasons to be frustrated. But at least
1: and similar, right? They're, they're both talking similar. about injuries. Very similar. But I, then, but then Jk's issue is money as well in terms exactly. of like. And that's
0: that's what I was gonna say. I think his is more business oriented. Um, I do believe him when he says he and Eric Costa are good. They're on the same page now, maybe that doesn't mean Eric DaCosta, uh, was on board with some of the things JK Dobbins has been doing and probably saying, mm-hmm. but I, I don't believe that there's a genuine dislike. And I don't believe I, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Bateman and DaCosta have a genuine dislike either. I mean, Bateman says they're best friends. Now, anytime you, anytime anybody says, I said my piece, they said their piece, like That usually means, all right, there was probably some real back and forth. Oh, yeah, for sure. At that point, Uh, Dobbins, I think is just kind of more so business oriented. He's had a bunch of injuries himself to this point. So I think he just really wants he he feels like he's doing what's best for him, whether it's whether I agree with it or not. That's a different subject. Um, But I, I think his is more business oriented.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And and the thing is, is that I don't know what the resolution is in the case of J.K. Dobbins, because what he's dealing with is not a J.K. Dobbins issue, but an issue at the position that he plays. And we know that when we look around the league with guys like Jonathan Taylor that are not happy with Dow and Cook waiting to the last minute to sign with the Jets, you know, Um, and so forth and so on. Do I think that the Ravens would give J.K. Dobbins a contract? I do. I think that the problem is, is that the contract that they're willing to give is not going to be what he believes that he's worth. And that's the disconnect, right? Again, I don't know a team that's going to give J.K. the money that he's looking for, because as of right now, it appears that the owners are locked in with saying, we're not going to pay more than what we have to at the running back position. We don't think that – we don't believe that we have to do any of that. So y'all just going to have to deal, right? So that's the that's the issue with J.K. And with Rashawn Bateman, I'm with you on that. I do think that, like, him always talking about, like, oh, I've never been injured prior to coming to Baltimore, it feels like that there's some – um Ill feelings towards the organization um, to some degree. And so, you know, it feels like it's a little bit more complex in that regard, right? Um, I hope, you look, look, I think that you and I can kind of sniff out like sarcasm with the whole best friends thing. Yeah. I'm sure that that, that just means that they, you know, they at least came to an understanding. They're right? cordial. That they're cordial, right? Um, I hope that Rashad Bateman can find some peace and that the new offensive coordinator and the new strength and training coach changes that for him. Uh, because you, like you said, you, you, you like all of the potential that comes with Bateman. We've just not been able to see the full potential because he's not been able to finish either of the seasons that he's been in. So you really hope that, you know, They could be some kumbaya because you'd like for him to be a part of this offense. You know, you see the potential to be there. You just need the consistency from a health standpoint to know exactly where Rashad Bateman is in terms of, you know, wide receiver one or, or however you view him. But, I definitely hope that he can come and find some peace with the situation. He's a first round draft pick, so he got at at minimum, he has one more year at, at the very least. And then, if the Ravens decide that they want to extend him for the fifth year option, they can do that too. So, it's very possible he's here for an additional two years to figure it out. So, you know, might as well do it with some peace as opposed to fighting all
0: the time. Yeah, I, I think he's going to definitely need to show something this year. If I mean, this is a team that didn't even pick up the fifth-year option for Patrick Queen, and we could say what we want about Queen, but he's out there yep. every day. Yep. So he didn't get it picked up, you know, yep. I don't know if if at this point can you validate picking up a fifth-year option for Rashard baby and I mean, I, 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 I can't right now based off potential I, story, you know. You know, but I mean, I, that's that's why I'm saying this year, I think if he can put it together this year, I think really all he needs to do is just show a he can stay on the field. Yeah. I don't think it'll take much for them to decide to pick up the fifth year option for him. But to this point, it's, it's just tough to assume that they will because we're still waiting to see Rashad Bateman.
1: Absolutely. And so they have another year to do it. Right. Because this is his third season. Right. Right. Is going into so you know between this season and the fourth season there's time to decide if that's what you want to do if you well after this season because right. usually the, if the your option comes at the fourth season right um so th- at least this year you have an opportunity hopefully to see if that's something that you choose to do or not um uh, but ultimately you know, again, you got he gets to play. You got to see what that's going to be like, and so that that'll be interesting to see. But hopefully, you know, he can have a, a breakout year and uh, all is well in the land of uh, the Ravens. All right, Ravens play this weekend, uh, Saturday. They play against the Buccaneers, their last preseason game. Do you expect any starters to play, Cordell?
0: I mean, Harv was asked if Lamar is going to play. I- I don't believe Lamar will. Harb said Lamar wants to, and he said we'll, does. we'll leave it at that. I, I mean, <laughs> he didn't play in any of the first two games. Yeah, I mean, but, hey, it's a new offense. Nothing would shock me, um, but I, if I'm going to bet on it, I still think it'll be the status quo of what we've seen to this point in preseason. We'll see a lot of low-level guys that are still on the back end of the roster. I mean, the, this is the last preseason game and they've got a couple of guys that are really on the bubble. Yeah. Um, so it's I'm not going to say it's no point in playing Lamar and some of those guys because you would, it's pro, they probably would love to see what the new what the offense can do with their starting guys out there or at least a couple of them for a series or two. Um but I I just think they're going If they've gone this, if they've gone through the first two preseason games without playing these guys, I have
1: no reason to believe that they're going to do it in the last one. I agree with you there. And then um, August 29th are the cuts. So I'm sure we'll talk again soon prior to the August 29th. cuts. But instead of doing, um, you know, increments like they've done in the past, they're doing it all at once this year where um, they're going straight to 53 man. Uh, on August the 29th on Tuesday so we'll talk next week about the recap of the third preseason game will the starters play well I guess we'll find out I'm gonna guess no but I guess we'll find out and we'll talk about that next week and also as we prepare for the 53-man roster uh, who we think will make it and who we think won't so we want to thank you all for listening from Cordell to me this is Winning Drive